Hello, I'm Stefan Eady, Assistant Head of School for Academic Affairs, and welcome to the Darlington Podcast. Today, I'll be talking with our new director of the Teaching and Learning Center, Jessica La Liberty, about the Teaching and Learning Center, how brain research informs its practice, and more about our programs. Thank you all for joining us. Welcome to the Darlington Podcast, a production of Darlington School in Rome, Georgia. Join us as we take a look inside and outside our classrooms and connect with students, teachers, alumni, and more. Good morning, Jessica. How are you? Good morning, Stefan. <laughs> I'm great. How are you? Good to have you on the podcast. Thank you for And at Darlington you. this year. Uh, take a moment to tell us about yourself. Well, I'm thrilled to be here, and I'm thrilled to have joined the faculty here at Darlington. Uh, this is my 23rd year as an educator. And um, I've held, held several roles, um, including head of learning support. Um, I've been a grade level dean, um, director of community service, high school, middle school, and lower school teacher. And I've also been a tennis and volleyball coach in wow. my career. Um, I'm joining Darlington um, as uh, having uh, a lot of boarding school experience. Um, um, additionally, in the past few years, I've been really passion passionate about curriculum design and um, lending my time and talents to helping to build instructional and curriculum supports to schools. Um, and I played, um, played a, a, a role as an educated, educational consultant um, for schools um, as a teacher coach. So these are just some of the, the passions that I've had in the last few years. Um, I also want to mention, and I'm excited to say that I have three children here at Darlington. Um, my son Brecken is in 10th grade, my son Cooper is in 8th grade, and my daughter Finley is in 5th grade. So I'm excited to talk about the te Teaching and Learning Center. That's great. Um, the, I want to start by just talking a little bit about the, the Teaching and Learning Center's mission. Um, we, uh, at the Teaching and Learning Center, we have a core belief that every child can learn and that children often learn in, in different and unique ways. Um, I think we know this about, about kids, especially when we see them out there on the playgrounds and on the playing fields, they're all different. Um, the Teaching and Learning Center directly serves students who have documented learning differences. Um, but we also support and enhance the academic experiences of all students um, in pre-K through grade 12. It's a very large task. Um, for many years, I have followed and have had the privilege to learn from a brain researcher, Joanne Deke. Have you heard of her? I have not. She's fantastic. And if I had to pick a topic for today's podcast that has really inspired me before coming here today, um, it is to deepen um, our, all of our awareness and our audience's understanding about teaching and learning center. But also, um, I'd love this opportunity to talk about how latest brain research informs what we do. That's great. So brain, brain research has been on Darrington's mind for a long time, um, and not just Darrington's mind, but certainly as an evolution in education to pay more attention to that, the, the, the neuroscience uh, research. Um, you know, we've had some guest speakers. You, you mentioned one. Uh, we've had Jana Zadina come speak to us. Uh, she was a very neuroscience-based uh, researcher. Uh, so, so tell us a little bit about, um, you know, brain research and how that, that informs the Learning Center's mission. Well, to start, the, the Teaching and Learning Center acknowledges, um, as, as many of us in, in other departments do, that every child comes to the world with hardwired strengths and weaknesses. So for one child, um, and we all know these children, spelling could come really easy to them, right? Uh, while for another child, it's music that comes easily. 
Um, Joanne Deek loves to refer to a child's neural wiring um, and, and those areas in a person's brain that are in charge of certain tasks by using this idea of rubber bands. And um, our listeners can't see. We should have I'm, a video podcast. We, we should have a video, yeah, right? Yeah. I'm holding a neuro a rubber band in, in my hands and I'm stretching it, right? Um, so this idea of, of your elastic brain um, is a really cool, and I'm giving you a visual, right, to, to see that. Um, so stretching that rubber band. For parents of small ch children who are listening, I, I absolutely recommend Deke's book entitled Your Fantastic Elastic Brain. What a great title, right? <laughs> Catchy. Yeah, so, um, so I encourage our listeners to like just imagine I'm holding this small rubber band and, and I'm stretching it a little bit. This band represents a child's brain wiring in a certain area. Um, brain research tells us that our brains are elastic and that each part of the brain can be stretched and it will grow with the help of, of right teaching and learning practices. Um, so in the Learning Center, in the Teaching and Learning Center, we are master neurosculptors, um, master stretchers, rubber band stretchers, working uh, to help students stretch their rubber bands. So in, and we're, in doing so, we're observers of children's brains. Oh, that's cool. So we, we've, uh, as a faculty, have studied the uh, the brain and, and neur neur how the neurons all connect and you can reconnect synapses and those kind of things. I've never heard the term neurosculptor. It's a cool term and I love uh, learning about that term from, from Dr. Deke. Um, so uh, how are learning specialists neurosculptors? Well, it's our role in the Teaching and Learning Center to partner with teachers and students and parents to help them see that um, they have control over the plasticity and the elasticity of their brains. Um, and that an essential key to the elasticity, the plasticity, is that we have to spend time, effort, energy on hard things, on hard stuff. Um, so uh, here in the Teaching and Learning Center, we, as, as learning specialists, are tasked with the enormous uh, responsibility um, of providing school-wide collaborative learning support that specifically targets um, leaning into those hard things um, so that growth can occur. And so to return to this like metaphor of the rubber band, um, so that the rubber bands in the areas of math, so I'm, you know, I'm holding one rubber band that, that's the math area, and another one that's the reading area, another one that's the physics and chemistry and Spanish, those rubber bands can be stretched. We believe that in the Teaching and Learning Center. Um, the Teaching and Learning Center also understands that, that this really cool idea that's backed up by brain research, and the idea is this, that making mistakes is an essential part of, of learning, and it's not actually, it's not a cliche. It's actually backed by, by brain research. Um, so I know it's, as a parent, and I know for all those parents listening, it's really hard to see our children struggle. But in the Teaching and Learning Center, we acknowledge this wonderful and tough truth that brain research has actually uncovered that there's a part of your brain that gets activated when you make a mistake or when you struggle. And that the research goes on to say that when you make the mistake or you struggle with a concept, it actually enhances brain growth, learning, and memory. Um, so to illustrate this point, I want you to sort of travel back in your own memory to uh, that moment in time when you were standing for a, for a spelling bee, and many of us have this memory you know, of our early years. 
and we had a spelling bee. Um, I'm not sure I was ever invited to the spelling bee. <laughs> well, but, but I've had that moment on stage moment having on to stage, do right? something, right? Right, yeah. right. So many of us probably can, can't remember the 20 words or the 10 words that we got right. But I bet if we were to poll our audience and ourselves and think about ourselves, we can remember the one we got wrong, mm. right? And so that's, that's because there's a part of your brain that lights up when you struggle and says, yes, okay, I have to learn this. It's important. Yeah, that for me that was a line in the play that I forgot. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. You'll so, never forget it. No, right? no, no. I can say it right now, but I won't. Mm-hmm. Um, so as faculty, we talk a lot about like making mistakes. Mistakes are important. Like we embrace that idea, but it's still really hard. Um, and, and, and students struggle with it, and, uh, and parents struggle with it. Even faculty really do struggle with it because it's uncomfortable. It's hard. I mean, so how how do we help students do that process? How do we make it okay? Yeah. Uh, it is uncomfortable, right? And um, our approach to teaching and learning is is our, is to be a mechanism across the school to to lean into that uncomfortable thing. And our team works as allies with with teachers, parents, and students um, to do that. It's it's really tough. Um, and so at first, it takes some convincing, right, of students and parents and teachers to do more of what they aren't good at and kind of convince them that it's going to make a difference and that the brain research says that it's gonna make a difference, right? Um, so for example, if a student has a struggle in math, um, meaning that part of the brain that deals with math function um, lacks, lacks a, a bit of that elasticity, um, what happens is that the brain then tends to associate those math tasks with a negative emotion, right? We, see, we could see anger, we could see frustration, we could see uh, anxiety and fear, right? Um, but you know, what the cool thing is, is that the opposite is also true. Um, when a student has a subject matter that they are very good at, let's say reading um, or writing or playing the violin or piano, um, their rubber band is long and stretchy. And the brain research says that the, the, the brain is wired then to assign positive feelings of joy and pleasure um, when, uh, when, when doing those tasks. So we know this, right? As learning specialists in the Teaching and Learning Center, we are keenly aware of this research. So while learning specialists and parents and students are all part of something very difficult, the Teaching and Learning Center also cares very deeply um, about celebrating and leveraging the things that a student is good at and passionate about. Um, so our goal in the Teaching and Learning Center is to use these key understandings about brain research and deliberately celebrate strengths and passions while at the same time tar- targeting growth. Um, this echoes a lot of what Dr. Uh, Ginsburg said when he visited here and the school um, read his book, um, Building Resilience in Children and Teens. Um, and he's. I'm a very big advocate for, for what he says in his book, and he says uh, uh, that, that he believes that we should see each uh, child, student's unique learning profiles through what he calls a strength-based lens. And that's, that, this is backed up by the brain research. Yeah. Um, so once our team in the Teaching and Learning Center has this sense of strengths and, and growth areas, um, one of our most important next jobs uh, is, as learning specialists is to create a triangle of support um, and 
And so if you, if you kind of can envision a triangle in your mind, you see three corners, right? At one corner is the parent, at the next corner is the student, and at the third corner is, is the teacher or the learning specialist. And so what we do is we engage all three corners at the same time as neurosculptors together. Um, and the reason why I use this concept of a triangle of support is because the triangle has been proven throughout history to be the strongest of shapes. Um, and uh, it, it can carry the most weight. And so that's why the shape works well in articulating what we deliberately do in the, in the Teaching and Learning Center, which is to build um, this uh, foundation of support. Um, and that partnership that's represented by the triangle um, is, needs to be deliberately built, and it is, the, is, is a core part of the work that we do in the Teaching and Learning Center. So that triangle support, that sounds, sounds interesting, sounds uh, comforting also in a way, but, but, um, but maybe there's still a challenge, like how do, you, how, do you, how do you get started with that? I mean, if, it's, if a student or a parent feels like there's a struggle, um, how do they get into that triangle? How do they start the triangle That's building right. that? Right. So before a student is officially served by the Teaching and Learning Center, um, parents and students often find themselves in this state of confusion maybe, uh, where they recognize and are worried and concerned that some part of, of that student's academic life is a struggle. And they, they notice that the band is, is not stretchy, and, or they notice that there's a smaller rubber band in, let's say, the, the area of math or, or reading. So the next step, and this is a great step that many parents, that parents take, is, that, is to reach out to me and just let's talk about it. Um, and I can help them find the right way to go about getting more information about learning strengths and weaknesses um, through what's called a psychoeducational evaluation. Um, so when parents move forward with initiating this evaluation process, um, it's done so with, with an outside psychologist. Um, and this psychoeducational evaluation is completed, um, uh, it it's, involves a battery of testing that, um, that then outlines and, and, and points out uh, strengths and growth areas. So going back to this metaphor of the rubber band, in the most simplified terms, the testing reveals that there are shorter and longer bands, right? And um, the shorter ones represent the particular uh, learning processes that need to be stretched. So the re these reports often conclude with a description of a student's diagnosed learning differences. Um, and a list of suggested accommodations. Um, once this report is complete, the parent then is encouraged to share it with the school, and that initiates that first step, that, uh, that, that moment of trust that the parent is, is, is having with the school to then um, start the formation of that triangle of support. Yeah, that makes sense. I, and I, I know what we, uh, we definitely make sure to offer accommodations when we need to, and that, that seems like a very, straightforward part of that report, but um, what, what else are we doing with the psychoeducational report um, alongside with the, the, the accommodations that are given? I mean, how else, how, how else do we use that to help the student? So our team reads the, the, each student's psychoeducational evaluation really closely and often refers back to it because it becomes a roadmap. Um, it becomes one piece in the puzzle. And our team uses it and other important information, such as teacher um, observations, um, our own observations, and we use it to construct an individualized academic support plan. 
And accommodations are, um, are really important part of this um, because they become some of the tools that we use to, to support a student who's struggling in a specific area or multiple areas. So accommodations are slight changes to the, way, the ways in which teachers do things to make learning possible for students with learning differences. Um, so the most common accommodation that many of us understand and know about um, and are familiar with is the, this accommodation of extended time on tests. Um, accommodations are meant to, to support learning for a child with weaknesses, um, not to modify or change the curriculum or learning material. So for example, a student with dyslexia might use an accommodation of having a portion of a book or assignment read aloud to her. Um, or a student with dysgraphia may have accommodation to type assignments rather than to handwrite them. Um, these accommodations um, do not change the content or skills um, or the standards that the students are learning in their classes. And they, they alter slightly how the student is able to access the material and show their learning or mastery. Gotcha. So, so it's really about making sure that every individual student can learn not change what they're going to learn, but make sure they are actually able to learn what we need them to. That's right. Gotcha. In our program, um, especially in the upper school and middle school, self-management of accommodations and self-advocacy um, are really central tenets to our program um, and our, our, learn, our teaching and learning center support model. Um, in the upper and middle school specifically, we teach students how to have agency over their accommodations so to know what they are. Um, and we do this in, in many ways, um, but as an example, in the upper school we start the year having accommodation meetings with students um, and just talking, talking them out, what are your accommodations? And then we send these students out into, to their teachers during office hours to have accommodations meetings with their teachers. Um, so uh, we, this is meant to, to help each student have, um, have a learning moment uh, to, to gain self-awareness and to practice that self-advocacy. And it makes a huge difference. Um, our goal as they start each year as self-advocates is to internalize these accommodations, understand them and how they can help, um, and, and understand deeply what they need to stretch their brains, right? Um, and then what we see time and again is that once that self-awareness takes hold for a middle school and an upper, or an upper school student, they are empowered to, to continue to stretch their rubber bands um, with and without the support of the Teaching and Learning Center. And that, that enables students to continue that growth, that understanding of, of their, themselves, and have that growth mindset well beyond their time at Darlington. Yeah, that makes sense. I think this is starting to, starting to see that, that agency, the, the independence that you're shooting for, uh, particularly as we want to graduate these students and make them successful for life. But, I wonder if our listeners may be starting to wonder, like, what about the, the, the younger students, our younger grades? Uh, they may not be ready to, for that kind of ownership of that, those issues. That's right. Yeah. So for students in grades one through five, there are younger ones. And, um, and those kiddos, they have learning differences as well. Um, we offer um, some, some wonderful opportunities for these kids. We, we have a learning center support class for students who have diagnosed learning differences that impact their learning and reading and math and writing and social studies and science. Um, and our accelerated learning program for dyslexia is a signature program at Darlington School 
um, and it provides necessary remediation for students who are diagnosed with dyslexia. So let's, uh, let's delve into that a little bit more. So the Accelerated Learning Program for Dyslexia has been around for several years um, and um, you know some people uh, you know, know that it's for dyslexic students um, and for making sure that we can get them to learn how to read um, and they can do it as while they're being a Darlington student. Uh, but we still have the Learning Center support program uh, and so there may be some confusion about those two things. So maybe talk a little bit more about the, those two programs and how they're both part of the Learning Center. Yep. So learning specialists um, set up academic support plans uh, that target each student's individual needs and they work closely with teachers to facilitate those classroom accommodations. Um, so students diagnosed with learning differences uh, in the lower school in, in grades one through five, they, they, they can attend a class uh, called the Learning Center class, a Learning Center support class, and that's guided by a learning specialist um, and meant to target those individual needs. And that those classes meet uh, two to three times per eight-day rotation. And um, so if a student struggles with math, they will get the one-on-one -on -one individualized support that they need to, to be more successful in that area. I'd love to focus for a moment on our accelerated learning program for dyslexia. Um, Darlington is the only school in Northwest Georgia to offer a program specifically designed to support students with dyslexia. The program focuses on students in grades two through five and offers remediation using the Orton-Gillingham method. Um, the OG method, um, it, which you'll hear it referred to as systematic multi-sensory approach, um, and it focuses on the whole child um, using dynamic hands-on instruction. Um, and it builds developmental skills in reading, writing, and spelling. So Orton-Gillingham is something we've been talking about for a while. By the way, OG, one of my favorite educational acronyms. Uh, but it was, So we talk about OG a lot. Um, and, we, and there's probably some clarification that's needed there as well uh, because although we, we introduced that in large part because of our dyslexic students, um, we, it's, it's been expanded when we have, we, we've introduced that approach uh, more broadly. Uh, Right in terms of teaching all of our students how to read or, or having that influence how we teach students how to read. So maybe help us with that clarification and maybe tell us a little bit more about what OG means. The Orton-Gillingham approach is an absolute best practice in teaching um, all students how to read. Um, but specifically for students with uh, dyslexia, the brain research tells us that they need more help in this area of sorting and recognizing and organizing language. And that's where OG is just spot on. It's, it's, it's fantastic. The, the Orton-Gillingham approach is flexible. It's di diagnostic, it's sequential, and it's cumulative. cumulative and um, it just uses all of that um, to, to build a, a strong approach for teaching reading. Um, it uses uh, learning pathways that we're all kind of familiar with, um, uh, auditory, uh, things we hear, things we see, um, using our body kinesthetically. Um, so the, the approach is actually designed to use visual, auditory, and a combination of other sensory modalities um, as, uh, be, because it un, uh, the approach understands that um, these are, uh, this is how our brain learns. And um, our, the, the, our Olden, Orton Gillingham trained learning specialists create these multi-sensory lessons that are fantastic and encourage great success in, in learning to read, write, and spell. 
And those lessons are, um, they include um, things like phonemic awareness and auditory practice, uh, visual practice, um, an introduction and a review of new of word parts, um, because the English language is built of, uh, built up with word part word parts, and um, the uh, the lessons are, are spends time on learned words, um, which are words that cannot be phonemically or phonetically broken down, um, and then each lesson moves on into spelling and fluency and reading activities. So and Orton Gillingham requires special training. I mean, our, our teachers uh, have that at varying right. degrees, right? That's right. They yeah. do. They do. It's yeah. fantastic. And, um, and and certainly with our ALP teachers, Accelerated Learning Program for, for dyslexic t uh, students, um, that's sometimes significant training, right? That's right. Yeah. Very yeah. good. Very good. Well, Je Jessica, that's been a quite a whirlwind tour, uh, and, I, and that, those are the main points that I was thinking about today. Uh, anything else that, uh, that we need to be thinking about, uh, or that you want us to know about uh, before we before we end this podcast today? Well, as I, I was thinking about what I wanted to say today, um, I thought about the the old adage: um, "It takes a village to raise a child," and um, in the case of the kind of support that we offer here. In the Teaching and Learning Center, this it's, it couldn't be more true. Um, the Teaching and Learning Center uh, team is part of, of, of our parents and, and students' village. Um, and that's why um, we strive to build that strong and trusting relationship with parents. And we feel like it's a key part to achieving academic success. Um, so for the parents who are listening, um, I, I hope that you will feel free to reach out to me with questions, thoughts, um, curiosities, um, or if you just want to talk more about the Teaching and Learning Center. And know that our team stands ready to build that triangle of support with you. And um, we're here to support, uh, uh, you know, children as, as they grow and stretch their plastic, elastic brains. Um, with we their are, little rubber band brains. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and we're, we're all neurosculptors together. That's awesome. So, yeah. Well, uh, Jessica, that was a lot of great information, a wonderful introduction. Uh, I have a feeling we may get some repeat plays on this podcast. Uh, listeners may have to go back and review because it was it was great. Uh, it's just full full of good stuff. But uh, but as you said, there's more. There's always more, uh, and every student is an individual experience. So um, so particularly take note in that last offer to to reach out if anybody needs some help. Um, and and uh, Jessica, so glad to have you at Darlington. Uh, we're we're uh, we're lucky to have you. Um, you you've uh, hit the ground running very fast. Um, this is not easy stuff, and you've already come a long way in just the first few months that you've been here. Uh, and uh, look look forward to continuing to work with you over the years. Um, and uh, so thank you again for your time this morning. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And we're glad that you turned in to this episode of Darlington Podcast. Tune in each week wherever you like to listen to podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe. You can check out today's show notes at darlingtonschool.org slash podcast. And if you have any questions about today's programs or ideas for a future episode, send an email to communications at darlingtonschool.org. The Darlington Podcast, a production of Darlington School in Rome, Georgia, is a collaboration between the communication, advancement, and IT teams, and the intro music is alumni produced. See show notes and hear more episodes at www.darlingtonschool.org podcast.